but we're back for another Tuesday. I'm Mike Scala, and this is Nuance, where we discuss everything going on locally and beyond. And I'm joined by the co-host of this year show, Jay Carter. He is the chair of BLM Tokyo and is known as Timid in the hip hop world. What's going on, Jay? Yeah, what's going on? Having a little bit of allergy morning. That's what's going on. Oh, that day. was the issue last week too. Is it the weather over there in Japan? Um, no, a couple of times a year I have uh, just morning allergies, and so it's just like for like a half hour, hour in the morning, my nose starts to run. I have to blow my nose, and gotcha. that's about it. Well, it is morning over there in Japan. It's evening. Yeah. In Queens, and we are joined by from Howard Beach Strong, Anthony Carbone, and Lixa Amari. How are you guys? Good. Hi, good evening. Go ahead. Yes, it's good to have you guys on. We're going to talk some local Howard Beach issues. Uh, we're going to talk about the city budget a little bit. We're going to go over our poll from last week. So we got some things to get into. But Jay, usually we start off with a light topic. Anything interesting this week? Well, we had the event that we did this week which was, uh, I think, turned out really good. So for recap's sake, we uh, did a, a stream event with Democrats Abroad Japan, where we talked about uh, gun violence in the U.S. and ways to prevent gun violence. So it's more of an action discussion. So uh, we had um, one of the other speakers, you were a speaker, um, Tremaine Edwards from the Alliance the gun responsibility from Seattle. Um, he was the director was also on, and we had a really good discussion. I think it went really well. Yes, absolutely. And for those who don't know, Democrats Abroad is an organization that actually conducts its own primary election for president and sends delegates to the national convention. So it's almost like a state in that way. When states vote in these presidential primaries, Democrats Abroad, for the millions of Democrats who are Americans, but they're living outside the U.S., they get to vote if they want to. They can vote via their embassy and, and Democrats abroad. It's, it's its own organization, which now has delegates and they can send them to the presidential convention. So it, it does have quite a bit of, of power in, in that sense. It's, you know, it's it's an organization that uh, has teeth. Right. I mean, so speaking for them can be good because you can actually move policy forward that has an impact uh, in what happens nationally. Right. And they had, you know, what was good was it wasn't just yet another discussion on this is what's happening. Um, it was, OK, what are you going to do? Right. These are some options that you have. You can do some letter writing campaigns. You can connect with candidates who are trying to actively work on this issue. It's like. From the from the discussion, everyone was expected to have some sort of an action item, the item that they're going to move on to try to help. Um, in the resolution of this issue that we have keep happening in the states. Right. And the issue, or I guess the proposal that I suggested was a transparency bill. And I think this can be done in New York quite easily. And in other states, we're not asking for much with this, but it's a start. I think it gets us to a starting point. And it just under this bill that I'm proposing, if it became law, it would create a public database that would allow people to see where the guns are coming from. Because a lot of people say that gun laws don't matter. They only affect the law abiding. But we have data to show that the guns that are used in crimes in New York are coming. 90 plus percent of them are from states with with easier or lax restrictions or regulations. And so I think I want to create this personal. I think it's a good idea. If we have a personal touch, that gun that was used to rob me or my family member last week, 
that came from Pennsylvania or Virginia, for example. I think that would shift some of the conversation and allow us to get more serious about what we're doing with guns. Right. And and, and you know, like I said, it, it lets it actually makes things a little bit more accurate in terms of this narrative about whether gun laws are effective or not. So, and it, you know, takes a little bit off of New York's back. Like, oh, right. look, New York's got strict laws, but they've got gun crime. New York, New York can be like, hey, no, we're doing, we're doing all right here. That's not us. That's, that's other people coming in. The guns are not native New Yorkers. That's a problem. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. But the native New Yorkers are using those guns. Yes, they're obtaining them um, legally, maybe in a different state. Maybe we should have, as a national, um, sorry, nationally, we should definitely have stricter as far as um, more screening, but as far and um, as far as mental health, people with mental health issues, people who have criminal um, acts of criminal violence, or have a felony felony conviction or even a misdemeanor if you have if you have if you have any kind of if you have any kind of um anything on record you shouldn't have access to weapons and then yes the law-abiding citizens like myself um can obtain a, a legal weapon that's a good point i think because these guns are so easily transported across state lines you do need more federal intervention. I mean, I think it directly implicates the interstate commerce clause, which should allow Congress to take action. And Congress has obviously in the past and then still tries to pass laws, but there's so much obstruction at the federal level, it's hard. So I think sometimes you need to fill in the gap at the state level where you can. And what I'm asking for is not anything that's gonna change any policy really, right? It's just transparency. I think we all should be for transparency and just allowing people to see what's happening. You know, where are the guns being trafficked from? I think that's at least a start. And then we can start operating on the same set of facts when we have these discussions about the laws. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I don't think I have a problem with that. Right. If they could if they if the guns could be if there could be a trail of where the guns are exactly coming from, they could push for better legislation federally. Right, exactly, exactly right. Or people in those states. And that was the great thing about this particular meeting is you had people from all different states. And in fact, coming out of it, there were people saying, oh, that's a good idea. I'm gonna push for that in my state. And it would enable us to say, okay, look, these are the biggest culprits. What are these states doing about it? And what's happening at the federal level? So. Yeah, it's just data. Yeah, more data is a good thing. Right. And we had after after the main discussion and presentations, they went into breakout rooms for more specific discussion. And Mike had the most popular room. <laughs> I was surprised by that because the way that they broke it down, they were like, go into room one. I think it was about, I don't know, writing your newspaper. Then it was about writing your congressman or your senator. And they had different rooms for different actions that you were interested in. Mine was, you know, you know go into Mike's room if you want to learn more about his bill. I thought that was so technical and, and almost geeky. I thought nobody would join that. And I was surprised to see uh, the most popular room. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I think, I think to me, it says that, you know, if you've got a, something concrete, uh, people are interested in, you know, if there's some sort of actual plan of action um, that people are interested in. You know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. 
the, the, the more information you have, the better decision you can make. There's no question. Yeah. But it was a great event. I enjoyed it. You know, yeah, absolutely. To you got to moderate the discussion panel, which I thought was really interesting, even more so than the speeches that we made. Then there were questions that you read, and it was more of an engaging back and forth discussion, uh, you know, more organic. I think to me, that was even maybe more informative and useful than just the speeches that preceded it. Yeah, um, I think everyone got something out of it. So what we're going to do is when I get a, a copy of the video, um, that's also going to go up on YouTube. So there will be, you know, the option for people to, to visit it once it gets up there. So I think it's going to go on the Democrats Abroad Japan YouTube channel and then on the, um, the BLM Tokyo YouTube channel. I think it's so. just the Democrats Abroad YouTube channel, if I'm not mistaken. I saw prior events that Democrats Abroad Japan did. We're on yeah. Democrats Abroad YouTube page. Yeah. So. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about moving the conversation forward. And, you know, we all have our different views and opinions, but as long as people are engaged and active and even talking about it, right, and then taking the requisite action, um, I think we're in a good place. It's, you know, it's inaction is, is what kills us. But, it's, you know, we need, we need more people engaged and paying attention and committing to doing something. And it could be something small, but even something small goes a long way when a lot of people are doing it. And not only committing to doing something, but I think what's also important is letting people know what it what their options are to do. Because a lot of people just like for any issue, not even just a gun issue, for just anything, a lot of people don't know what options that they have as far as taking action, you know, aside from donating to somebody that's doing something. Right. Well, speaking of taking action, we have two guests with us this week who take action in our community in Howard Beach, and they run the Howard Beach Strong Facebook page. Great information on there, and Lixa in particular, I know you like going to the meetings and providing the minutes to the community. For the people who couldn't make the meeting, you get to read about what happened at the meeting. I think it's a very good service for the people of Howard Beach. Thank you. Um, I figured no one was putting, like you see other uh, boards and different organizations at least put out a, a newsletter or something for residents within their community to read but we didn't have that here in Howard Beach um I think I started doing it during an NPO meeting and then we took it forward and sometimes I can't make a meeting so um Frank does it or but that's part of being strong just informing the community of what's going on absolutely and a lot of issues in Howard Beach I know we always talk about them Anthony anything you want us to pay attention to as some of this year now well yeah i mean it's it's um pretty much the same issues that that we come up every every time the weather gets warmer you know i mean uh there's the 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 rituals and ceremonies going on in charles park um there's animal heads there's animal carcasses um all kinds of like debris left behind and like i think the um it started probably started uh, again started again a couple of weeks ago when somebody posted on Facebook that they found a decapitated goat head at the park. Um, you know, and then, then it's like, and now you're going to see basically like, like every, every weekend you, you're going to, you're going to see somebody posting on Facebook, 
oh, they left a bunch of like uh, like fruit rinds and stuff like that behind. And it, it, it's just, it's the same thing that's been going on year after year. And, you know, like th- th- there's very little activity from anybody about it. And that's, that's really our biggest concern. Right. Yeah. And there's so many issues surrounding this, you know, you used to hear First Amendment concerns where people have the freedom to practice their religion. Oh, and they do. But that doesn't give people the freedom to litter and to leave things behind. I mean, that's a separate thing. You know, in Charles Park, for example, there's something called a compendium that governs, which it's, in, it's a federal park because it's by the water. And so you look, you look at the National Park Police's compendium for the rules of the park. And if you were to get married, for example, at Charles Park, that's a religious ceremony, or it certainly can be, but you will still need a permit and you know, you're not allowed to just do it because it's your religion. There are still rules that must be followed. And the same thing really should apply here and does. The problem is the compendium requires a permit for ceremonies, but not rituals. It at least doesn't say the say it that way. And so what ends up happening is if you were to call the police because people were having a ritual there, they'll say, well, they're allowed to be there. They're not doing anything wrong. Now, if you were to catch them in the act of littering, that's a different story. But that will happen most often at the end of the ritual. And by the time the police would respond, you would never be able to catch them. And so it's an issue. I've talked to the park police about amending the compendium to require a permit for the rituals. Now, before people come come at me, I know that's going to scare people. I don't mean giving them a permit to litter. I mean requiring a permit for them to even be there and do the ritual, because that will allow the park police to respond as soon as people are there and say, hey, do you have a permit? Okay, if you don't have one, you got to leave. If you do have one, you know who is responsible now. You have their name and their information, and then the police can keep an eye on them and make sure that they don't litter, that they do follow the rules. And if they don't follow the rules, well, now we know who they are. So that would be a way to have some enforceability and accountability there. Unfortunately, they have not amended the compendium to require a permit for this. So we're kind of still where we are. We did get more signs put up, but signs only go so far. We had cameras, we were told were budgeted by the president, but you know, are they fully installed yet? What happened to the cameras? Yeah, nobody, nobody's seen any footage from any cameras yet, so I don't know where they are. Right. And every week there's always something posted. It's either dead chicken, a dead goat, something. And as you stated, there's the First Amendment right. Yes, everyone has the freedom to practice their religion, but that doesn't mean come in and be disrespectful and leave dead animals right. on the beach. Right. And yeah. there was also a, a discussion with the Hindu community. And I want to be clear that not all practitioners of Hinduism do this. It's a, from what I was told, a very small group that does it more of an old school type group. The younger kids now in the religion are preaching this idea that you have to respect Mother Earth and it's actually against the religion to litter. And so hopefully as time goes on, you'll see more of a generational change and there'll be more education around the issue. But some people are stuck in their ways and you can tell them whatever you want, but they think it's part of their religion to leave these things behind in the park. And it's a problem. I mean, you know, families and children obviously have their enjoyment of the park interfered with, uh, not to mention the damage it's doing to the environment. Yeah, exactly. What if I'm walking with, with, with my kids in the park and they see a goat head? They're going to get terrified, you know? Like the park, the park is supposed to be for everybody. So it's like everybody's got to respect it. Right. And somebody, somebody should really be like held accountable for like, like enforcing these things. 
It can't be hey, just like and, passing the buck. That's a good point. Also, I wanted to bring that up. I had conversations with the National Park Office as well. They have concurrent jurisdiction with the NYPD. And I think sometimes the local precincts don't know this, or maybe they're just using it as an excuse. I don't know. But we need to make sure that this is known, that the NYPD is allowed to be in there, as well as the park police. You know, oftentimes they'll say, no, that's not our jurisdiction. It's federal park, nothing to do with us. That's not true. It's concurrent jurisdiction. They are allowed to be there. And I think that might be on us to keep reminding authorities of that. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah, and I was not aware that NYPD could go into Charles Park. I thought it was federal jurisdiction and NYPD right. couldn't go in. That's very informative. Right, because that, that's what we've been told for the last two years. Right. For the past few years, that's, always, that's what they've been saying. It's federal. It's federal. You have to contact national police uh the national parks police it's yep. federal, but there's concurrent jurisdiction look if someone were to god forbid murder someone at the park you think the nypd is not going to if they were called they're not going to try to cut that they can stand outside on, on 95th street and you can't go any further right. Right. maybe they don't yeah there are many just don't understand that i think sometimes they don't and, and like I said, maybe it's on us. You know, I, I, maybe I'll write a, a legal memo to them and say, you know, this is the law. You guys are allowed to be here. That might be useful. I was trying to tell them that a couple of years ago when, when we were getting reports of this. And I just pulled up an email thread I had with the uh, with MPS on the National Park Service where we were discussing the concurrent jurisdiction. That means, you know, they're certainly aware of it. They might be more aware of it than the NYPD is. Mm. Yeah, so that... that, that that's one of the big issues that we've been having. And another another thing that's that's come up recently is there's um uh some kind of like there's a crazy disturbed guy like walking around like like the streets and um he's been like he's been picked up a couple of times. Um HP cop was was involved and and they, they got him picked up and then like the next day he's out. And so sometimes the guy is okay, he he just walk up and down the streets and doesn't bother anybody. But then, like, sometimes he goes screaming at people, he's exposing himself to people and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's again, it's a similar thing in that it's just like, like a circle. It's like, it happens, they, they pick, then they pick him up, and the next day he's back out on the street again. He's okay for a few, they probably gave him some medicine, so he's okay for a few days, and then again, it happens again. Right. And that, that goes into mental health. I mean, what are we doing as a city as a, to help everyone, not everyone, but help these individuals, especially homeless. Most homeless people are suffering from mental health issues. And what is the city doing to help these individuals out? The city needs to change its approach to homelessness. And I'm really hoping with a new mayor, he goes in a different direction than the prior administration did on that. I actually have a lawsuit pending with DHS, but this was an action taken by the past mayor, really, about the way homelessness was being handled in the city. And to your point about mental health challenges, there is a state law that says that if you're housing people in any place where mental health services are provided, you can only have 48 beds. It's a smaller facility required because you have to give people more specialized care. What the prior administration was doing and, and, and what's still happening now is they tend to dump people in these big warehouse type buildings where they're not giving them the right care. And it's in violation of the law. I mean, if you have a hundred people in a building with mental health challenges, you can't control that population. You can't give them the care that they need. 
And what happens? They suffer and the community suffers. That's why these laws are in place. Unfortunately, they haven't been followed by the past administration. I'm hoping that the lawsuit uh, that I'm currently arguing is resolved in the community's favor. And that'll hopefully force a change in the policy and the way that these things are handled by the city. Because these individuals are walking around with mental health issues and impact members of the community. One day they're fine. The next day they might lash out. I mean, you're seeing more and more instances within the community, within New York City, not just how it be, but where a homeless person just out of nowhere will push someone onto the platform, off the platform onto a train. Or they, the other day in the Upper East Side, not the other day, but a few weeks ago in the Upper East Side, some, a homeless person stabbed someone. These are very serious issues that we as New Yorkers need to address, and mental health is the root cause of this. Right. I think for, for far too long, mental health issues have been kind of have been neglected, not even just you know, in New York, but this is a nationwide uh, issue. It's a conversation that's going on right now, like everywhere, and it's something that, that definitely needs more attention. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean that, that that ties back to a lot of gun crimes too. Like, there's a lot of that involved with that too, you know. So exactly, it mental is, health issue is a big root of a lot of problems that the nation is facing. And like Anthony said, it ties back to gun violence. I mean, no sane person is going to decide to grab a gun and shoot up a school. Some someone suffering that person, that individual is suffering from a mental health issue. That's not a normal. That's not normal. No, it's not. But then you have to ask yourself, what can you do? I mean, if the person doesn't want to help themselves, how do you force them to get help? I mean, in, I don't know. I haven't been to Sweden in over 10 years. But when you went to Sweden, you didn't see stuff like that because they do put them in mental health facilities. If a person is displaying mental health illness, they're not out in the street. They're not with family. They're getting specialized care. And this stopped when in the 80s under Reagan, when they cut funding towards, towards mental health. Right. Thank you. I, I want to just I want to just one thing here uh, and make it clear um, that all 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 shootings are not mental health related. Some people are just bad people. Um, so. It's not at all. I, I don't. I don't like that type of discourse where it's kind of framing it that everybody that's done something, yes, it's crazy for them to go shoot up a school, but that doesn't mean they have mental health issues. They just could be bad people, um, and so it's kind of used sometimes as an excuse that uh, for this person to, you know, they need no, there's no, there's definitely no excuse for someone to go shoot up a school, shoot up a store, shoot up anything. There's no excuse to that. But if that person may have been suffering from a mental health issue, they should have gotten the help. They shouldn't have been out. If, potentially kids, if, if they suffered. But the majority of the cases, they have been suffering. Some cases, I will agree, there, there are plenty of bad people. But I don't think the majority of those cases are because, oh, they were just a bad person. Yeah, I think this is the nuance this discussion requires is really a little bit of both scenarios. I mean, I don't think it's normal to do any of these acts that you see. Shooting up a school is not something a normal person does, like Lix has said. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held accountable for it, right? We shouldn't make make an excuse for someone and say, oh, they're just crazy, therefore 
we should just treat them instead of punish them or, you know, no, I mean, you do have to have accountability in society. I remember in psychology class in college, my professor talked about that and he said, you know, we can deconstruct all day long why someone does what they do and say, oh, now we know why you're an ass. But at the end of the day, you're still an ass and that needs to be dealt with separately. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing is understanding. One thing is holding accountability. I could understand why somebody why somebody does why someone does something, but that does not mean that I agree with what they did. Right. And you use the term specialized care. I guess that goes back to what I was speaking of before. Part of the problem in New York City is we don't offer enough specialized care. We're just kind of treating people like pariahs and sometimes dumping them in these big buildings, like I said. That doesn't help anyone. So maybe that's really what the focus needs to be. We can zero in on how to give people the care that they need. It requires a lot of individualized attention. Everyone's going to be different. You can't take a one-size-fits-all approach to mental health we have you know, a wide range of issues and you need professionals who know how to deal with individuals and, and give them special care. Maybe, maybe that means even allocating more money towards people to have you know, fewer people under their watch. So, it's, you know, so we're not allocated with a, a, a ton of people that we can't handle. Yeah, I think that's the, it's, it's, it's part of the issue is that it's, there's no simple solution. Yeah. It's, it's pretty complicated. I want to take it, um, jump back to um, How It Beats Strong. If you want to talk about the organization and, and the Facebook group, how it came about and what it is that, um, you know, it does. Well, we, we started the page about two years ago, and it was basically like we saw like inactivity by our leaders in the neighborhood about certain issues. And, you know, we, we just, we try to bring those things to life and we try to like, uh, like push these people into doing something about certain, you know, and I think that's uh, that's that's basically been the main goal of the page since we started. Correct, holding holding people accountable um, for for different things that they may or may not be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, accountability is a big 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 word here today's topic, but um, yeah, basically is accountability. It's um, seeing that something, for instance, HB Cop, for instance, they started their organization, I believe, back in 2016. And um, what do they do? They patrol the streets of Howard Beach. They drive around. They make sure that they, if they see you, you left your garage door open, for instance, they'll go and, and close it and they'll ring a bell or something. But And they also act like a, a bit, um, they also deter potential crime. However, the powers that be um, don't know the reasoning behind it, but they didn't like the founder of that organization. Therefore, they didn't um, allocate funding towards them. And they are entitled as a private organization, as a non-for-profit, um, to receive certain city funds, but they don't receive them. Um, and Throughout the years, all they've they received is nothing but bad criticism, um, accusations, and that was one of the reasons that we we I joined HB Strong is because I kept seeing like there was these I don't know how to uh, phrase this, but I kept seeing that there was like this um, 
double standard where some community uh, members were acknowledged for the work that they do and they do good work and they but other community members are pushed to the side and uh, are branded as i'm going to put it in quotes bad people and it's it's just everyone's here trying to make a difference within our community why don't we just work together and and put our differences aside well said and i think that is really a microcosm of what we're going to speak about in a few minutes about the city budget and how certain council members in their districts were allegedly punished to some extent you might see that happening at the local level too as you alluded to i want to read some of the comments we're getting in the chat uh, michael jordanella what's up mike he says there needs to be someone or some organization that can step in and help this gentleman that screams like kids and women every day on 161 avenue and cross bay um jeremy Bucaria says we need more money for better hospitals not the arts so i guess you're referring to the budget there um again michael said the pd meaning nypd always told us they can't go into charles park so again we need more education around the issue of concurrent jurisdiction and the fact that they can in fact do that so you want to talk about the city budget get into that uh, city budget seems yeah. to get into the space now that's, that's right since i guess i opened the door i talked about the budget and the floodgates run the gates were open you might as well get into it how it affects us locally and what we think about it so two takeaways here the budget was increased 101 billion dollars this year we had 98.6 billion last year so there's an increase there of a few billion dollars which is a lot of money for those who don't know the New York City budget is supposed to be balanced. And so if there's an increase in revenues, there is an increase in spending. There were record profits posted by Wall Street, which was surprising, I would say. But that accounts for some of that surplus. Why we have more revenue to spend this year. Any thoughts on that, Jay, as to what's going on there? Um, well, you know, these these corporations made a made a killing during the pandemic. I mean, just all across the board. Um, uh, maybe I don't know. More people at home that were doing the spending, certainly like Amazon, Bezos' wealth just went insane over the over the pandemic. Um, people gouging for prices, like we're seeing at the pump. You know, because uh, what was the reports came out a few weeks back that the oil companies made record profits as well. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just they're, they're they're making these big profits, but people aren't, you know. There's a disconnect there, right? Like you look yeah. at the numbers; it's all these record profits and revenues, but they're doing well. But the people feeling, are going people on are track. feeling it. And people are, are hurting, right? So something needs to be something needs to be done about that. Something needs to be uh, you know looked into in regards to that. Because that's it's not fair, especially I mean the, the oil people are feeling that on a daily basis. You know, if, if Amazon makes a few extra billion, you know, you might not feel that, but um like gas prices, people are gonna feel that every day. And those guys are making that ridiculous amount of extra cash. And um, you know, apparently it's you're making that extra and you you either pump prices or something. So right. Okay, so the question that becomes how do you spend this money? And you can look at what was funded in the budget. 
it's all relative though, right? Because you're not going to see something in here that looks terrible. It's not going to be like $10 million allocated to the arson fund. <laughs> like everything is good, but it's a matter of how much money each initiative got or each agency got or whatever the case may be. Um, there was much to be made about the fact that the NYPD budget did increase, but some people disagreed by the amount. Some people wanted to see go down. Well, some people don't like that. Then there is additional issue that schools that saw a decrease in student population were cut. And the mayor is trying to spin this and say that it's not a cut. It's just an adjustment based on the population. But anyway, you slice it, they are getting less money. And teachers that I've heard from are hurting because of this. You know, schools were already suffering. And this is not a way to put the situation any better. I, I'm, you know, I understand the idea that if, uh, if the population of the school um, reduced that, you know, there's, there should, there's less funds for the school. I, I get that. But was the school, were those schools already underfunded to begin with? Yes. The whole city's school system really is underfunded. It's overstressed. It's strained. Resources are strained. Right. You have teachers who have to pay for supplies out of their own pocket. They have it a teacher program, which was cut. And yeah, I mean, it's supposed to reimburse them, but they, they couldn't always get the reimbursements. Yeah, I think, and, and I don't think that should ever happen. Like, teachers should not be paying out of their pocket for, for you know, absolutely not. not. I don't, I don't think, you know, from the little bit, you know, from the budget here, it doesn't sound like the, the school budget should have been cut. I'm not one for supporting the police budgets being expanded, um, but yeah, this, the education budget should not have been cut. I don't think. Now, of course, Anthony and, and Lixa, please weigh in here. Yeah, what are your okay. thoughts on this? Of course, nobody wants to see school budgets decrease. No one wants that. Especially, you know, I have a son in public school as well. Anthony has kids in public school. We don't want our city schools budget to decrease. Um, like you said, I do understand that it, as the population of the school decreases, it's understandable. So does the funding. Now, the problem with New York City schools is out per average, each for each student, it's about thirty-one to thirty-two thousand dollars per student. Where is the money going? Is it is it going to administration? Is it going or is it going into the classrooms? Do we make does does the deal um, DOE need to make adjustments on where they're spending the money versus um, like you said? Schools are underfunded, but schools are getting money. Where is the money going? Right. There could be some mismanagement there to look at as well. Yes. Right. Like my, my, my wife, my wife is a teacher for a long time, right? And in the DOE. And you know, she's told me things uh that that so I, I'm 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 aware there's definitely waste going on in, in the public schools. Um I, I don't know, I don't know you know how much how much decrease in the school population there is i don't know if it's if if it's five percent or ten percent or twenty percent if but if if there is a significant like decrease in the school population then yeah i could understand that the budget goes down somewhat but i don't know i don't know what is what, what are the what are the the, the numbers on that that's yeah, what I we need to find out where the money is going or right. is it going into the classroom there is no reason why teachers have to come out of pocket to pay for supplies. Why teachers ask for lists for um, wipes and and um, certain supplies from students. Um, 
I mean, when I was a kid, and mind you, I didn't go to school in this neighborhood. I went to school in Cypress Hill, East New York. All I had to bring was my own supplies, my pencil, my notebook. What happened between the 80s, 90s to today? What's going on? Where is the money going to? I think the 80s teachers were were going in the pocket as well. Um, I think it's just it's cost of living and everything has gone up and those other expenses have gone up. So now teachers are feeling even more of a crunch than, than they would have back then. I see political get Anthony. No, I mean that, that that's a good point she made with with bringing the the the, the wipes and the paper towels and everything. You know, it's yeah. like I get you know, from my kids' teacher like every couple of weeks. Oh, we need paper towels. We need soap. We need this. We need that. What? I, I don't. I don't I mean, I don't DOE should be supplying. I don't mind supplying. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> my son went with hundreds of dollars of supplies when he was in grammar and middle school and high school. Not so much, but. The DOE should be supplying these basic supplies. Yeah. Right. Jeremy in the chat said the parents have to send toilet tissue. And there's too much admin and bureaucracy. Um, that, that's been requested, but I know Jeremy works in a school too. So if he's saying that, I, I guess that's what's going on too. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I mean, is there not a, a an independent uh budgets uh you know overview or watchdog that's that's kind of seeing where this money is going i'm not aware of any well isn't that the controller's job controller the public advocate even yeah we have people who are supposed to be devoted to that yeah yeah that, that, i saw yeah. a political cartoon talking about uh, you know basically it was saying i guess someone from the city saying sorry kid we have to shut your school because we're given more money to cops. And so they try to compare, you know, the NYPD increase with the school decrease. The NYPD budget increased by 152 million, which is a lot of money, but comparatively it's speaking, pennies. it's not a whole lot, right? It's not, it's pennies compared to okay. how big the department is. And, and how big the department is. And, um, you know, something worth mentioning, the mayor wanted an increase 574 more personnel for the Department of Correction, which was shot down by the council and uh, the controller Brad Lander did not support that either. So he didn't get the incre increase in personnel. So similar to how we were discussing the school situation, you know, you have to look at with the NYPD, what is the money being spent on? I think right. policy, what we're doing always matters more than just the dollars and cents. It never tells the whole story. Right. I know during, during right after BLM, they were mandated to work overtime. They were mandated to, work six days a week. Um, so that was a lot of overtime going to NYPD. Um, and we do need NYPD. We don't need to de defund the, the police department here in Howard Beach. How many times do we see a patrol car, Anthony? Yeah, almost I think never. We need, to, we need to clarify that though. Um, we've talked about that before, defund the police that people are talking about a very bad slogan and it doesn't really talk to what what a lot of the people were talking about, and it's more about reallocating these bloated budgets to other things. Like, for example, I personally don't think you know the NYPD needs an increase in budget. That 150 million could have gone to the to the school system. And I think what should happen is we should take off take some of the the duties off to the plate of the police. You know, they're not 
they're not there. They shouldn't be dealing with mental health issues. They shouldn't be dealing with these other different calls and, you know, get them back to doing what they're supposed to be doing, what they're trained. I think important there. I think if you, for example, properly handled mental health issues to the point where this guy, for example, on Howard Beach wouldn't be walking around terrorizing people, you wouldn't have as much need for police intervention in these situations. Right. Yeah. And it's, it puts an undue burden on the police because it's like everybody is like, OK, well, we have this issue of uh, homelessness. All right. Throw it at the police. We have mental health issues. OK, throw it at the police. We have, And so, you know, then the budget's going to get blowed up. It's going to be, you know, you've got police that show up and they're trained for certain types of situations. They're going to respond a certain type of way. And so now you're going to have a breakdown of just everything across the board instead of more funding that way take stuff off their plate that they shouldn't be dealing with in the first place and get it to where professionals who can deal with these certain things or different programs can, can deal with those things. Right. But until we get to that point, like say we allocate more money towards mental health issues and there's more programs for mental health issues and we don't see those things. That's when we'll need less police dealing with those things. But until that happens, we do need the police presence. Well, no one's saying get rid of the police. Police are there. No one's saying that. Oh, there are people saying that. I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> rational people are not saying that. Huh? There are people saying that. I wouldn't say no one is saying that. But rational okay, people. Okay, yeah, there are some people. There, there was a, a, an abolish the police type of movement. I think a couple, actually, a couple of um, cities across the country even went so far as to cut ties with their police force and do other models but it didn't they create their own police force all over again uh well, yeah, they, Min- they, yeah, yeah Min- uh, what happened in minnesota they decided right. that they were going to do that and what happened there was a spike in crime and then they had to again allocate money towards the police department that they defunded so i think there, there. It's more about overfunding of, of these police forces. There's just entirely too much funding, and there's too much responsibility put on them to do things that the police were never intended to do. And yeah, so, and I and I agree with you. I agree with you that police were not intended to deal with mental health issues. Then, nor are they trained to deal with someone who's having an emotional, um, an ed- an emotional, emotional disturbed person. That should go. That's mental health. Keyword health. That's a healthcare right. provider should be dealing with that. The problem is we don't have the proper health facilities to deal with these, not these people, but with these individuals. Right. Well, that hundred fifty million dollars could have been put towards developing something instead of putting it into and, the police. And we could go back to De Blasio it. when he had the funding and where did that funding go so he had almost a billion dollars fund um for mental health and that money disappeared that's crazy can't just lose a billion dollars like how do you lose a billion dollars it was close close to a billion exactly where is that money but no you one don't lose no a one billion dollars you purposely put it somewhere else i don't buy when people say oh we just lost money no of course not they yeah. funneled it towards different things that were in that in the end went towards their pockets. I've talked about expanding the range of services a 911 call 
can provide. So when you call 911, instead of just getting police and fire and ambulance, you should be able to get a mental health professional if that's what you want. You don't want to say you can't get the police. Of course, we need the police for situations. But like you were saying, Jay, some police or really police aren't aren't trained to handle all types of situations. So in certain types of situations, it might be better and more appropriate to have someone else respond to the situation. If, but it's a situation by situation basis. But I think if we handle all of these issues in a smarter way as a city, we have less need for police to come in and then the budgets would need to be so high. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lixa is right that we're not there. You know, we're yeah. crime spike now. So you have to handle this from all angles, right? You do need the long-term planning and, and that goes to mental health. It goes to the economy. It goes to the opportunities. Even things like transportation is tied to that. It, it, it all ties together, but that's long-term. In the short term, you do need law enforcement to play its role. Well, law enforcement's there. I'm not saying that we don't. I'm just saying that keep throwing money at law enforcement to get dubious results is not the way to do it. If you want to change, there has to be, there has to be some efforts going towards to make those other things manifest. Right. Right. That's what we right. But until we're there, unfortunately, we need them. Yeah. Until they, they, we're not there I'm, yet. No, I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, that money has to go to make that. We've seen someone in the chat. Jeremy, Jeremy has a lot of uh, opinions on this here. He's saying that um, police are trained for emotionally disturbed people, but mental health people can't stop a, melt, uh, a meltdown. We need both. We need a balance. We need earlier interventions. I think earlier interventions is definitely key. Um, and that goes to, I think, what Lixa was talking about, you know, as far as mental health services and whatnot if we have these earlier interventions that might reduce some of these things and a police response to an emotionally disturbed person is going to be different than a mental health professional it's right and, and that mental health person could show up with maybe an officer in backup in case it gets mm -hmm. to that point exactly. but they should have they should have that lead to to deal with it because they're specifically trained in that area right I wanted to talk about this issue also related to the budget where there was funding called the Speaker's Initiative. $41.6 million was allocated to the Speaker of the Council in particular in order to give money to council members throughout the city for projects that they support. And at first there was reporting that the council members who voted against the budget were not able to get their projects funded at all and they were protesting it. Then they looked into it a little bit more and found out that the projects, in fact, were funded, but their names were taken off of it so they wouldn't get the credit. So even the council members at first themselves thought that their projects weren't funded because their names weren't attached to them anymore. And the speaker's response to this is, well, they voted against the budget. And so they said no to the funding that funded these projects. And so they shouldn't get credit for it. You know, obviously, people are looking at this as a form of retaliation against these members for voting against the budget. Then you also have this component that city and state looked into it more deeply and found that organizations supported by these particular council members who voted against the budget on average received less funding than organizations championed by council members who did support the budget. And so the argument here is that this is not just a measure of retaliation against the council members, but it hurts the districts, it hurts the people that they're serving because now they have less money to fund issues and initiatives in their own districts. Sounds right. like 
violation. Yeah, like, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. Aunt. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's counter democratic. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's democratic at all. And and it, you know, it's, it it, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about here locally. Like where where uh, if if you don't play nice with certain people, then uh, you know they 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 pull strings on you. You know, and it, the government should not work like that. I agree. I agree. No, I agree. Yeah. You said it sounded like an ethics violation. Is that what you said, Jay? Yeah, it sounds like it, it could be an ethics violation if that's what they're doing. There used to be an issue where discretionary funds were doled out by the speaker, often based on who was a political ally of the speaker. And if they did something to anger the speaker, they would the discretionary funds. There was reform around that. The idea was that's not right. That hurts the people in the districts let's equalize it so that each district has access to the same amount of discretionary funds but this seems like a way around that and say okay this is funding on the budget now we're calling it the speaker's initiative so the speaker has access to it. it's not the same thing as discretionary funds but it is right it's the same deal it's just called something different right it's just semantics it's just language difference yeah no nobody should have like a a favorite part that big you know right the issue, of course, with something as big and as complex as the New York City budget is you're, you're taking it all or nothing. You're voting yes or no on the whole thing. You don't have the ability to say, I like these programs, I don't like these programs, or I think this is too much money, I think this is too little, is yes or no on the whole thing. And so if you say no, you might have any number of reasons for voting no. Maybe you agree with 85% of it, but the other part of it, it doesn't do it for you for whatever reason. Maybe your principles say, you know what, I'm not willing to go this far. Maybe some other people are saying it doesn't have everything I want, but it has enough for me to vote yes. That's a choice they will have to make now. But should we punish them for taking a stand and saying, for whatever reason, I don't think this passes my standards or what I'm looking for? No, not at all. They should not be punished. Like um, I stated earlier, this is setting a precedence where if I vote no, my district is going to suffer now. My district is going to get less money. The programs I was working to fund are going to get less money. I need to vote yes now. So no matter, so, so council, our council men and women are going to go into these things voting yes, because they're going to be afraid to vote no, no matter what, they're going to get less. They're being right. punished. They're, get, they're getting pop out. So yeah, exactly right. Think about that. For example, a food pantry was one of the programs funded by this student initiative. Could you imagine that? Your local food pantry that's serving all these local families now is relying on this funding from the speaker's office. And you're afraid that if you vote no on the budget, they're all going to starve. Right. Yeah, and yeah, sorry, go ahead, Andy. I was just saying, it's basically a form of bullying. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's, it makes, uh, one, it makes the politicians and, and representatives' jobs harder. Um, you know, and it doesn't make them as effective as they could be, and the people ultimately suffer. Right. I think that's really the ultimate point here. You know, when people start playing politics, they sometimes get in their own bubble. Now you're in a political world, you're dealing with other politicians. And so maybe someone from the speaker's office thinks, okay, I'm going to punish this council member over here because I don't like the way that they voted. They're not even thinking about it. it's they're representing the people. It's not even about the council members or the speaker or any of these elected officials. It's about the people they were elected to serve. They're the ones who are being punished here. You're not really punishing just the, the, the members. You're punishing hundreds of thousands of people. Correct. And like Anthony, piggybacking from Anthony, it's very undemocratic. What's the point of voting? 
isn't the, the principle of this country is that we're able to vote and not be retaliated because we voted a certain way. Okay, you voted Biden, you voted Trump, you voted third party. Who cares? At the end of the day, that's our right to vote. I like uh, Jeremy in the, in the chat. Uh, everyone is a big shot. No leaders, just morons keeping their jobs. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but I mean, I think it, 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 you know, it covers a lot of stuff that we see. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> Jeremy's a good guy. We like Jeremy. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, because and you know, people want to preserve their position or they want to throw their weight around and, and forget that ultimately, uh, like like Mike and, and Lixa said that you know, this is these are positions that represent people, not that person. It shouldn't be about that person. It should be about the people and the communities that they represent. Yeah, you work for us, basically. Absolutely. Right. And that's something politicians have forgotten that we employ them. They they're not doing us any favor. They need to stand by us, not the other way around. Absolutely. Right, so let's put this poll question out for the people. It's not for the politicians, it's for the people. That's who we speak to on this show. We want to ask, do you think that the speaker of the city council should have less authority to allocate money to individual council members? Yes. <laughs> We've our first vote already. Already, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. In a few yeah. minutes that we have remaining here, I wanted to go over the poll from last week. Right. Last week we talked about the I forget what it was, the Senate, <laughs> Senate bill that Green came of expression. up. Right. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to remember this, the, the bill number, but. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. It was S something. I forgot <laughs> what it was, but it was regarding about lyrics, partic particularly rap lyrics being introduced in criminal court trials. And so. Right. And the way the bill was written, it didn't only specify rap lyrics, but that's really right. the main force behind this. I think part of an issue that we discussed last week was it is kind of vague when you speak about creative or artistic expression. You have to be able to define that. What qualifies as artistic and what doesn't? That can be an issue in itself. Does that make the bill too broad? Because it doesn't say rap lyrics or anything. It just right. says creative artistic expression. Right. We brought I it mean, up because it was being pushed at Summer Jam. Yes. Um, and uh, there are a lot of people in the hip hop community that are backing it. Jay-Z is one of them. Um, so, yeah, that was how it came out. This reminds me of Eminem's song. Which one? <laughs> When he goes, blame it on Marilyn. Remember? Oh, yeah, it's, the way I am. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's okay. Artists should be able to express themselves however they want. However, like if, say, they sing or paint or make a production and it, it's not really, people have the choice to watch it or not watch it. Um, that could apply also to video games. Like, does violence correlate with with kids playing video games? I mean, it it's it's so broad. I mean, everybody should be able to listen to whatever they want to listen to, but they will be held. They shouldn't. The artists themselves, unless they're saying "go kill somebody" based on their sexual orientation, um, race, and all that, unless they're saying specifically to do something i don't think music is music 
I listen to Jay Z. I listen to everything. I listen to heavy metal. I listen. I listen to everything, but but uh, Western country. <laughs> <laughs> that was the issue. I think sometimes you'd have people on trial and they're being accused of a crime, and then the prosecutors would pull up their lyrics and say, "Well, they said something in their lyrics that suggests they really are criminal," and so they are looking for lyrics that tell that story. Right. But part of this, what this bill would do is it would say those lyrics could not come in unless there was a showing that they were literal. So it would shift the burden to the prosecution to prove that it wasn't just a story, that it was a literal lyric, that they actually meant that somehow. It's just going to be hard to prove. Right. But that's what it would do. Right. And I think this this latest round of this kind of scrutiny is coming about because of um, Young Thug and his crew that are in in court over racketeering, okay. racketeering charges, right? They have them RICO charges. Yeah. yeah. So I received a response. Here's one comment that I received on my poll. Nothing should be barred. Evidence is evidence, but it should not be used on its own. But if it supports other pieces of evidence, I don't see why not. That's true, too. And that was also part of the bill, too. They had four factors that we talked about last week. But one of them was that you needed the lyrics to prove a piece of the crime that you couldn't prove without bringing the lyrics in. Right. Well, in the poll that I ran, um, it was split. It was just 50, 50. Um, so I did have a couple of, uh, exchanges. People had sent some messages in, um, and it was speaking to that, you know, um, let's see. Sometimes people is, Put pen to paper and, and say some things or maybe they'll say some things that they don't necessarily mean it's just talk you know and this could just be creative expression um it could be stories and whatnot so you know that shouldn't be brought in and whatnot i had another discussion with someone and this is something we talked about is that in particular in cases of uh rap music that oftentimes these artists are presenting their lyrics as their real life and their real selves. So if they're rapping about violent things that they've done or, or do, then the impression, at least from the, the artist side, is that, oh, yeah, I do this. I'm, I am this person. So then it makes it a little bit more of a tricky situation to say, okay, well, that's just creative expression. That's just a character. Um, but then on the other side, sometimes rap does get an unfair uh critical eye in this regard and it's always been that way that no other music genre aside from maybe i would say maybe metal metal yeah that was going to go with metal, metal. you forgot metal. about the sat the satanic panic no no definitely metal had had that um you know so other than that you know i mean johnny cash killed a man in one of his songs like that's that's a hit funny that was in the sponsors memo of the bill when they introduced this bill in the new york state legislature there's an accompanying document explaining what it does and why it's needed and what they wrote in there was no one really believed that bob marley shot the sheriff right <laughs> but he didn't shoot the deputy <laughs> well, he did, right right but no one believed that he didn't shoot the sheriff that he actually <laughs> did shoot the sheriff <laughs> even though he said he did in the song yeah it, it sounds like kind of like wild stretches to me, uh, you know, like really, unless unless somebody's talking about like, like to go and kill a specific person or a specific group of people. I, you know, th that type of expression has been around forever, not only in rap. 
Right. Or, or even Eminem, um, that song Stan. Right. Where he's the the um, the fan is writing to him, and at the end he kills his girlfriend because he thinks Eminem wants to kill Kim. And at the and Eminem was like, "Dog, I never." That's not what I meant. This is just music. Yeah, I say it's clowning. You know how messed up are you? Um, right. Yeah. You go even further. Think about M's, Eminem's song, Kim. Uh, I think it was either that album or the previous album. When Wait, Kim, he, Body and Clyde. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's very explicit about killing uh, Kim, putting her body in the trunk, dragging her, dumping her body in the lake. It's very explicit about that. Yeah. What about then on the Eminem show where he says they say was a sing for the moment? I think they say music can alter moods and talk to you, but can I load a gun up for you and cock it too? So he explores that subject as well, like how literal are you going to take this? Right, right. I think also his stuff is particularly dark. So, yeah. Right. And, and then you know, getting back to your point, Jay, about sometimes artists will say, "Well, this is who I am. This is who I really am." I mean, could that be part of their creative expression? Also, maybe they're method actors, basically, or that's just a figure. Right you know, the character that they're playing in the public persona. And they talk about certain things in their songs, but they think in order to sell that, they need to portray themselves that way in their interviews and so forth. That's still an extension of their creative persona, though. It's right. like um, Takashi 6 9 how he affiliated himself, I believe, with the Bloods. Right. Because he thought that would give him more credibility towards his music. And that's what got him in trouble in the end. Right. Yeah, and you know what? There is still accountability out there. No matter what the law says and what the rules of evidence are, there are consequences to what we say and what we do. And we need to keep that in mind, regardless of it. Right. So it was a great discussion, guys. Thank you for joining us. I'm happy you got to represent Howard Beach Strong on this live stream. It's much needed. Thank and you for having us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. It was, it was, it was, I liked it. It was fun. Excellent. Join us, yeah. And so where are you on iTunes? Oh, yeah. So this is a good opportunity now. We, we, we're all over the place, right, Jay? Right. So the, the audio of this is uh, in podcast form. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on, you know, any of these places where, where podcasts are at. So you can subscribe to there, automatically get uh, the episodes pushed out to you. The video will go over to our YouTube channel, um, so it can be rewatched and you know comment, participate in the discussion there. Hopefully, people will subscribe. We want to get those those numbers up on there and keep bringing this type of discussion, this nuanced discussion to people. Nuance with Mike Scala and Jay Carter. Make sure you look it up, subscribe, get the notifications, whatever you got to do. And, and Jay, you said this. earlier oh. that you're in Japan. Yes. Wow. Yes. Oh, and what, what time is it in Japan? It is 9 a.m. over here in Japan. Nice. So, yeah, just about to start our day. So, and Jeremy and Michael both in the chat said Scala 2023. Yeah. Hey, appreciate the support, guys. Oh, you know we support you. <laughs> Thank you. It means a lot. And I support everything you guys are doing for the community. You really help us. You're really a, a benefit to us. And Everyone who's doing work in the community should be recognized as such. Nobody should be ostracized here. We're all in this together. Thank you. Correct. And there are a lot of individuals within, a lot of community members that are doing a lot within the community. Absolutely. Um, we have people like PJ. We have people like um, Clean Up to Clean Up the Girls from Clean, clean Up, up to Tima. 
there's so many wonderful people within the community that yeah. go above and beyond. Absolutely. And I want to showcase as many of them as possible on this year's show. So I'm reaching out to folks. Don't, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Let's make it happen. I think, I think yeah. you, need, you need to get Jeremy on the next podcast. We had Jeremy on before. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. But he's always welcome back. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy didn't tell me. <laughs> okay well it's been a pleasure yes. thank you all thank you all for tuning in thank you for engaging in the chat everybody and we'll catch you next time have, have a great, great night and a good morning to you <laughs>